Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Alexa. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And a good morning to everybody out there. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And we have got a great show for you today. It is Taco Tuesday. I'm not sure if I'm going to be eating any tacos this evening. But I am excited about this show. I know typically Monday show, we cram a lot of stuff. High school football, college football, NFL, and if the Braves are playing, I'll mention them as well. But we had a big Monday night football game. I'm going to talk about that. Raiders getting an impressive overtime win against the injury-depleted Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Some of the NFL teams I didn't mention yesterday, I'll go into that. Mac Jones' debut going up against Tua, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers losing his worst regular season game ever to the New Orleans Saints. And I will preview... I will preview the college football games for week three. So let's get right into the show. Wasn't that great to see fans at Allegiant Stadium last night? The Las Vegas Raiders looked really good at times. I think Max Crosby was a steal in the draft. He made Lamar Jackson look uncomfortable. There were times in this game where I thought that the Ravens were going to run away with this game, especially up 14 to nothing. But you could tell that the Ravens are limited at running back. They do have some good defensive pieces, but the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr, you know, throwing the ball 56 times. You could tell that Josh Jacobs was injured. He did have two touchdowns, but the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Baltimore Ravens 33 to 27 in overtime. Let me go ahead and break down this game because Derek Carr was pretty good. He had 435 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. But Darren Waller, 10 receptions. Darren Waller is their leading target, one of the best tight ends in football. One thing I've noticed that the addition of Sammy Watkins really helps the vertical passing for the Baltimore Ravens because I still think that Hollywood Brown is a decent wide receiver, but he's not a number one. And they do have a reliable tight end in Mark Andrews. So what does this do for the Baltimore Ravens, especially with the Steelers winning? The Browns look great against the Chiefs. And then the Cincinnati Bengals picking up a win. So you know that the Bengals could be a tough out this year. I actually think that the Baltimore Ravens did not address their running back position. The running backs they signed, the running backs they signed, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, and Latavius Murray. Although Murray was in the game, he only had 10 carries for 28 yards. But Le'Veon Bell didn't even play. And... Devonta Freeman didn't even play. So your leading rusher was Lamar Jackson. He had 12 carries for 86 yards. Taysen Williams had a touchdown, the second year running back from BYU. It's really going to be hard to get this offense going. I know their offensive coordinator is Greg Roman, and I know him from when he was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers. I feel that the Ravens' offensive schemes and their packages are so vanilla, and that's one of the reasons why Greg Roman is not the offensive coordinator in San Francisco because he was very generic, very vanilla. He relies on a running quarterback. And I've noticed that Lamar Jackson has gotten a little bit better throwing the football. But this game, going back and forth, 
it was a great Monday night football game. I loved it. I loved seeing, you know, Justin Tucker kicking a 47-yard field goal, 37 seconds left to go. You think it was over, right? But Derek Carr throwing deep passes to Brian Edwards and getting the Raiders into field goal range. And Daniel Carlson, and Daniel Carlson boots a 55-yard field goal to send the game into overtime. And I actually thought this game was going to end in a tie. It was still going on at 11:30 at night and i really wanted to go to bed but when it mattered the most the ravens dialed up a blitz and as the raiders were trying to get in the field goal range yes kick the field goal right there but it's still a long field goal there's four minutes left to go in the game there's not a guarantee that the raiders would get the ball back this game could end in a tie if they give the ball back to baltimore and some coaches play for the tie some coaches don't even realize that ties even exist in the National Football League. It ended on a walk-off touchdown from Derek Carr to Zay Jones in the back of the end zone, a 31-yard pass. When the blitz was coming, Derek Carr pinned back and threw a bomb. It was a one-on-one play. When you have the safety and the wide receiver, he's throwing it over the top. Zay Jones gets it, and what a way to end the first Monday Night Football game. I was watching the broadcast on Monday Night Football. I like their announcers, Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. They were doing it last year. I'm just glad they got rid of uh, Booger McFarland. I mean, he's a nice guy, but oh my. Every time I was watching a Monday Night Football game, he was always stating the obvious, and then that's how he got made fun of in memes. And then I was switching back and forth to the Peyton and Eli broadcast where they were commentating They were commentating on the game. That is actually fun. I like it when they do that in the national championship where they get Paul Feinbaum and some other SEC analysts and they just pick apart the national championship. It's fun. I love it. So we got Monday Night Football in the books. The Las Vegas Raiders will travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers next week. How fun and exciting is that game going to be? And then the Kansas City Chiefs will travel to Baltimore for the Sunday night game to take on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens don't want to start 0-2, but I think that that is going to be a great game. I cannot wait for that game. All right, so Aaron Rodgers loses 38-3 to the New Orleans Saints. He was misplaced. The Saints were playing in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. And this team, the Packers, who looked like a team that was favored to go to the Super Bowl and represent the NFC, Aaron Rodgers just looked uninterested. He's made it known that football is not his number one priority. He's talked about 50-50 retiring. He's talked about wanting to host Jeopardy. Aaron Rodgers does not seem like he's on the same page with his coaching staff or his players. And the New Orleans Saints are a lot better than people expect. Jameis Winston had a great game, and the Saints defense is very underrated. I actually thought this was a rebuilding year for New Orleans, but they looked incredible. Aaron Rodgers had two interceptions. You know, he only had five interceptions all year last year. He comes out. He only passes for 133 yards. The run game did not go well. I don't know what happened with Aaron Jones. They signed him to a long-term deal, five carries for nine yards. That's not going to get the job done. What's impressive about the New Orleans Saints is that Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. He was poised in the pocket. He is clearly the starting quarterback. They're doing it without Michael Thomas. Their leading receiver was Deontay Harris. This is a coaching job well done by Sean Payton. I said on yesterday's show that coaching matters. 
Let me tell you something. The hot coordinator does not equal great head coach. But Sean Payton was born to be a head coach. I know when they hired him, he was the hot coordinator. That's not the case right now for the Atlanta Falcons. I think the jury is still out on Arthur Smith. I'm not buying him as an elite head coach. And, of course, Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur is a good head coach. The Packers have gone to the last two straight NFC Championship games. And Aaron Rodgers has told the fans, after starting 0-2, to R-E-L-A-X. We have heard that before. Is this the year where Aaron Rodgers implodes? Because he's going to have to bounce back from a game like this. Uh, What a way to do it against the Detroit Lions next week on Monday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers will have a bounce back game. But I actually don't think the Packers will beat the 49ers in week three on the Sunday night game in two weeks. It gets tougher because you got the Steelers after that. And then the Bengals are looking pretty good with Joe Burrow. So the Green Bay Packers are in trouble. So they got to get some wins. So the media doesn't talk about them like they have been. The New Orleans Saints looking great. They'll take on Carolina next week. So another game I didn't cover yesterday was the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots 17-6 and Mac Jones' debut for the Patriots. 29-39 for 281 yards and a touchdown. Damian Harris rushed for 23 carries on 100 yards, although he did have the fumble at the end of the game that cost the Patriots the game. And the Patriots that spent all this money on free agency, they're looking good, but they're not where they need to be. I still think that the Patriots are a wild card team, but they welcome back Kyle Van Noy, who actually played with the Dolphins. Now he's back on the Patriots. They've got some good players. Dante Hightower back from opting out from COVID last year. Chase Vinovich. Their defense is still going to be solid. Bill Belichick has got a hand on the defense. And Josh McDaniels, of course, he was the hot coordinator that the Indianapolis Colts wanted. He's been a head coach. He's been a head coach with the Broncos, an offensive coordinator with the Rams. Josh McDaniels makes that offense work. And Mac Jones is only going to get better. And you've got some players that he can rally around. Uh, Miami Dolphins, I mean, they're not built on Tua. Jalen Waddle was impressive with his first touchdown. The Miami Dolphins are headed up by solid, good coaching. Brian Flores does a great job trying to get those players going. The New England Patriots will take on the Jets next week. So what does Bill Belichick do with rookie quarterbacks? He owns them. That should be a win for the New England Patriots. And of course, the Miami Dolphins will take on the Buffalo Bills, who are trying to bounce back after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So previewing week two, which I want I have my football picks on Friday. You got the Thursday night game. You got the New York football Giants taking on the Washington football team. And the Giants look really pedestrian, especially on that offensive line. Denver has got some pass rushers with Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. They pinned back, and they made Daniel Jones look uncomfortable. You got the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Chicago Bears. I think it's time for the Bears to start Justin Fields. However, I think Andy Dalton's going to start this game because he's got something to prove against his old team. Houston, which came out of nowhere with Tyrod Taylor. They got Kenny Stills. They got Danny Amendola, Mark Ingram. They're taking on the Cleveland Browns. You got the L.A. Rams that's going to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Buffalo taking on Miami. New England taking on the Jets. 
This game is very intriguing. The San Francisco 49ers going up to Philly to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. This Eagles team came out of nowhere. I had no idea that this team looked good as they did with Jalen Hurts throwing three touchdowns against the Falcons. That should be an interesting game. You got the Raiders taking on the Steelers, the Saints taking on the Panthers, the Broncos, who look really good, taking on the Jaguars. The Jaguars are in trouble. I don't know if the Jaguars are going to get a win at all this season. Trevor Lawrence has shown that he has some talent, but they do not have talent around him. And I'm not 100% sure that Urban Meyer is an NFL head coach. The Vikings taking on the Cardinals. How good did the Cardinals look Sunday against the Tennessee Titans? One game where... Wow, the line is 12 and a half. Tampa Bay taking on Atlanta. That is the afternoon game on Fox. Matt Ryan is just hearing it from the critics that he is washed up, that he needs to go. He needs to have a bounce back game where he needs to go toe to toe with Tom Brady. And I know that they're not going to be able to run the football with that Buccaneers defense. So Matt Ryan is going to have to prove that he's still an elite quarterback but he has to have some help. The Dallas Cowboys, they're going to have an extra couple days to prepare for this game, but at SoFi Stadium, expect a lot of Cowboys fans over there. They'll take on the Los Angeles Chargers. It seems like LA is the Cowboys' second home. That's always good. Tennessee and Seattle, that's going to be a tough out for the Titans. And of course, I talked about the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. I cannot wait for NFL Week 2. This is going to be another loaded... I love Friday Night Lights. I love high school football. I will be in Seal, Alabama, calling the Russell County-Lee-Montgomery game, and it is going to be the debut of that beautiful stadium with the Jumbotron and the turf field. But here are some of the high school matchups in East Alabama, West Georgia. You got Auburn taking on Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis is a 7A program up in Montgomery. Central taking on Enterprise. They're both 4-0. You got Opelika taking on Carver Montgomery. That game's going to be Thursday night. Valley taking on Lanier. That game is going to be Saturday night. Then you have Park Crossing taking on Eufaula. Glenwood taking on Springwood. Beauregard taking on Central Clay County. Lafayette's going to take on Lanier. You got Montgomery Catholic taking on Beulah. You have Shaw taking on Carver. That's going to be Thursday night. Whitewater and Northside is also going to be Thursday night. So it looks like Shaw might be going to A.J. McClung. I think the Whitewater-Northside game... I think the Whitewater-Northside game will be at Connect Stadium. You got Noonan taking on Harris County. Troop County taking on Spencer. This is going to be Friday night. That game will more than likely be at A.J. McClung. And then you have Kendrick taking on LaGrange. Columbus taking on Jordan. More than likely that game will be at Connect Stadium. And then finally Prattville taking on Dothan. The reason why I say that, I follow all these high schools on Twitter but Columbus only has two high school football stadiums. You got AJ McClung that's in downtown. That's where the Tuskegee Moorhead State game used to be. You got AJ McClung in downtown Columbus. And then you have Connect Stadium that's up in northern Columbus near Midland. So I'm excited about high school football. I will have my high school football preview show and I will go Facebook Live up at the press box at Corbett Stadium on Friday night. You don't want to miss it. I will preview all the high schools in the Chattahoochee in the Chattahoochee Valley. 
Now, just previewing some of the games for college football, Nebraska and Oklahoma. I'm just going to do top 25. You got New Mexico taking on Texas A&M. Terry Wilson is at quarterback for the Lobos. So that is going to be interesting. I learned that from listening to the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. You got Cincinnati taking on Indiana. Indiana was ranked at one time. They fell out of the rankings. That would have been a great game if Indiana was still ranked. Virginia Tech taking on West Virginia. Coastal Carolina still ranked at number 16. They will be taking on the Bulls of Buffalo out of the MAC. Michigan State taking on Miami. Michigan State's 2-0, but they're not ranked. Interesting. Northern Illinois taking on Michigan. You got Purdue and Notre Dame. That's the 2.30 game on NBC. The big game of the week, the game that all eyes are going to be on, is Alabama and Florida. Alabama going to the Swamp. A rematch of the 2020 SEC Championship game where Alabama beat Florida 52-46. Only this time, Florida does not have Kyle Trask or Kyle Pitts. But they do have Emory Jones. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback. Emory Jones, the local guy from LaGrange, he went up to Heard County High School, a 2A program up in Franklin, Georgia. And so Emory Jones more likely will get the start. But Alabama is favored by 15 and a half points. This is an SEC road game in a hostile environment in the swamp. That is a sucker's bet. If you want to take the points, go ahead. But maybe Alabama is just head and shoulders better than every single team. But I actually think Florida is actually closer to Georgia. Coached by Dan Mullen, has got some good recruits there. And I would say if Dan Mullen was a former Nick Saban assistant, that Alabama would beat them. But we don't know what we're going to get with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen coached at Mississippi State, so he's seen Alabama before. I'm excited about this game. I cannot wait. Kent State taking on Iowa. Georgia Tech is in trouble. They're taking on Clemson at Clemson. Last year, Clemson just blew the doors off Georgia Tech. You got Tulsa taking on Ohio State. Georgia Southern taking on Arkansas. Arkansas is ranked in the top 25. I got to look that up and see when was the last time Arkansas was in the top 25. This is the trap game where I'm going to watch because I'm going to be nervous. South Carolina taking on Georgia. Georgia is ranked number two in the country. And even though they're favored by 31 points, I still am nervous every time they play South Carolina. That's one of those games I'm going to have eyes glued to the TV. Stony Brook taking on Oregon. How is Oregon going to handle the success now that they're ranked fourth? And then Auburn, number 22 Auburn, taking on number 10 Penn State in Happy Valley. Penn State is favored by six. A lot of people like Auburn because they think that the power of the SEC going up against the Big 12, it's going to be a hostile environment. They're going to have a wideout, but it is going to be a great game as well. Wrapping up the top 25, you got Virginia taking on North Carolina, Tulane taking on Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming up the ranks, 17th. If they win this game, they'll be 3-0 getting ready to take on Alabama. Lane Kiffin has really made the difference for the Rebels. Arizona State and BYU, that's a very underrated ranked game. I'm looking forward to seeing Herm Edwards taking on a BYU team that many people think they're rebuilding after losing Zach Wilson to the NFL, but they still look great. And then Iowa State taking on a disappointing 0-2 UNLV team. That should be recruiting players and being a better football program, especially now that they're playing at Allegiant Stadium. And then Fresno State, one of my favorite college football teams in California because they have the most passionate fans taking on the Bruins of UCLA. It's going to be great. I cannot wait for these college football matchups. 
Want to talk about baseball? Tonight, the Braves will take on the Colorado Rockies, and Tukey Toussaint will take the mound for the Atlanta Braves. Checking up the division, the Braves have a four-and-a-half game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies, but the tightest race is that NL West between the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Giants clinched a playoff berth for the first time since 2016 after getting an impressive 9-1 victory over the San Diego Padres. The Dodgers also won their game 5-1 as they welcomed back Clayton Kershaw into the rotation. He strikes out five batters in his return. He pitched four and a third. And this is going to be a tight race all the way to the end of the season. Now, the Giants and the Dodgers do not play each other anymore, but both teams are going to get into the postseason. But I think it's very important that the Giants win the NL West because of that home field advantage and avoiding that one-game playoff. I wanted to talk on this show. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 happened over the weekend, and that was a big impact on my life. I was in college when it happened, and it had a big impact on sports as well. You know, sports took a back seat to uh, 9-11 it was one of those moments that completely changed our lives forever and a lot of kids that I talked to weren't even born that just tells you how old I am but I just wanted to reflect back because you know I've been in the military for about 19 years I signed up after 9-11 now that was not the reason why I signed up I signed up because I wanted to I wanted to go back to college and finish college college was really expensive I went to Freed Hardman University which is a small private Christian school in Henderson Tennessee and during that time I, I had a great time I was the play-by-play announcer for basketball baseball soccer what's crazy was I remember exactly where I was when the planes hit the tower. I was getting ready for my 7.30 class, and I overslept, and I was late, and my teacher didn't really care. But Harding was supposed to play Free Harmon in soccer that day, and I was supposed to call that game. I just didn't feel like calling the game, and I kind of felt bad because I should have called the game. I thought they were going to postpone the game. But they played anyway, and then I had an intramural softball game that night. So it was a very weird time, and I didn't know what to expect. I knew that we were being attacked. I didn't know by who, but 9-11, 20 years ago, you see all the tributes pouring in, and it's been great. And I just want to say what makes this country great is that we have the freedoms that we have to talk about sports, to watch sports. And it's always been great and can't take that for granted. Well, that is all the time I have on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. And also, don't forget, I have another gig, too. So if you want to hear me calling high school football games as the public address announcer, that is on YouTube under Beam 7, the local channel in East Alabama, I did the game two weeks ago against Park Crossing out of Montgomery, and I'm doing my second game this Friday night against Lee Montgomery. And Russell County now, I just found out, according to MaxPreps.com, and I heard it from one of the boosters, that Russell County is not 3-1. They are now 4-0 because one of their games... They changed the loss to a win because that high school team had ineligible players. 
So Russell County going to 4-0 for the first time in about 30 years. So this is great for the school. The schedule gets tougher. Lee Montgomery is a very tough school. And then they will travel to Beauregard. Beauregard is a 5A program. And then the big game October 1st, there's going to be all eyes in the Valley as they will take on Opelika. Opelika is one of the favorites to win the state title for 6A. I cannot wait for that game as well. So hope everybody has a great remainder of your day. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show, and we will do it again. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.